Hello and welcome to the Energy Efficiency Podcast, sponsored by EcoFlap Home Draft Proofing Products, the ideal fit and forget energy efficiency solutions, including the Pet Flap Draft Proof Pet Door. My name is Heather Lindsay and I'm the Communications Manager for EcoFlap. This weekly podcast will bring you a mix of news, products and tips all year round. We're interested in profiling people and products involved in promoting energy efficiency habits, products and information, so please do get in touch if you have something to contribute. You can reach me at heather at ecoflap.co.uk. This week, wood chip insulation, would you? Making your home winter ready and energy efficiency in distilling, mash to celebrate. But before we get on with our advertised features, this week website Business Telegraph ran an article about companies keeping quiet about significant resource efficiency achievements, so-called secret sustainability. There are several reasons for this, including the fear of being accused of diverting attention from areas of their business that are less environmentally friendly, and customers worrying that the products will go down in quality or up in price, or both. It can also cause consternation along the supply chain, sparking fears of price rises or reduced orders of raw materials. The article cites several examples of tremendous progress in resource efficiency in manufacturing. There's an anonymous factory in Asia using only a single litre of water to make a pair of jeans. It doesn't even tell the businesses it supplies about this extraordinary achievement. Then there are the two wineries in Portugal that have silently switched to organic practices because they were worried about the health of their soil. They've swapped out pesticide and artificial fertiliser for technology and extra labour. Soil health, vine health and yield have all improved, but they don't mention it anywhere. Both wineries already had a good reputation and felt customers would perceive that the product had changed or was about to go up in price if it was suddenly labelled organic. Many companies have been accused of greenwashing, i.e. parading one area of their business that has a good environmental record in an effort to divert attention from less sustainable areas. Setting out with that intention is unattractive, but a business should be able to report good news for what it is. The article in Business Telegraph suggests that companies don't believe they'll attract more B2B customers because, for instance, they can make a car with a quarter of the amount of energy they used to. I question that. The article quotes Professor Steve Evans of the Institute for Manufacturing at the University of Cambridge as saying that businesses can't accept that improved sustainability doesn't mean an inferior product or increased price. So it seems businesses divide into those who recognise the environmental and product and cost benefits of reducing resources and those who see it as something a bit dubious with a negative knock-on for quality and cost. This is despite the Dow Jones sustainability indices repeatedly showing that the companies at the top of the range outperform those at the foot. It's great to see that companies are making improvements, but roll on the day that those practices can be shared without fear of incurring a business disadvantage. Wood chip insulation. Over the last few weeks, we've looked at sheep's wool and kingspan insulation. Today, we turn our attention to wood products as insulation. Wood has highly desirable properties for home insulation. It's non-allergenic, renewable, durable, reusable and recyclable, and in some cases compostable, and it's hygroscopic, 
This means it can absorb and release moisture without coming to any harm. However, not all wood-based insulation is equal. Once upon a time, some homes were insulated with sawdust and wood shavings, which are a straight waste product. These days, however, that doesn't provide adequate insulation, and as it compacts, it becomes less and less effective. There are many newer wood-based insulation products on the market, performing different functions and coming in different forms. They possess better elasticity than sawdust or shavings, and so don't compact as they absorb and release moisture. Wood fibre insulation is a minimally processed material that comes in loose little clumps that are blown into the area to be filled. Being loose, it can be forced into every little corner under appropriate pressure to keep thermal bridges to a minimum. This type of insulation performs extremely well. To quote SwedishWood.com, it has an almost unbeatable capacity to capture and store heat that is on the way out or in through the building envelope, ends. Reckoning it's about twice the capacity of mineral or glass wool. Our feature on passive cooling in episode 7 covered various methods of capturing excess heat during the day and releasing it during the cooler night time, and this is a very simple method of achieving that. This reminds us that insulation is not all about keeping cold spaces warm. Germany maintains an index of how various sustainable insulation materials perform in keeping a building cool in the summer. This index has the snappy title of the German Association for Insulation Materials Made of Sustainable Raw Materials. Wood fibre comes out top in tests, with sheep's wool about halfway up. Wood fibre insulation has impressive sound dampening properties. It effectively reduces airborne sound, so voices, traffic, and impact sound, footsteps, moving furniture. According to website Back to Earth Co. UK, wood fibre insulation is up to 12 times as dense as synthetic alternatives, which contributes to a quieter and more relaxed environment. Wood fibre is also available as boards of varying densities and thicknesses, and are suitable also as boards for underfloor heating. Wood insulation, like sheep's wool, isn't really flammable, which might be surprising. It chars, which slows down the speed of fire, and it releases next to no harmful emissions, and a good analogy would be a book. Page by page, if you rip a page out of a book and try to set fire to it, it burns swiftly. But try to set light to a whole book, and that's very difficult to do. And unlike plastics, wood fibre won't drip blobs of flaming materials. In a timber-framed build, this flame resistance is a valuable property. Parvatex is a Swiss company that had been making wood fibre insulation since 1932. When it opened a few years ago, the Parvatex factory in France was the highest performing and most environmentally friendly wood fibre production plant in Europe. Parvatex has received Nature Plus certification for its products. Nature Plus is described on the Alliance for Sustainable Building Products website as demanding, quote, an above average eco balance a maximisation of renewable resources and a minimisation of the use of petrochemical substances, very low emissions and the prevention of harmful ingredients. One Brighton, a building of mixed small apartments in Brighton, UK, included Parvatex in its build. It was chosen in part for its acoustic dampening properties, which is quite a consideration in a block of flats. The build met some opposition from designers, contractors and insurance companies who weren't familiar with the natural insulation. But to be fair, this was nine years ago now, so things should have improved. 
the developers had to seek formal approval on durability and go to the building research establishment for fire testing, backed up with case studies. On-site, things were easier, with the only slight issue being that Parvatex is less easy to shave or plane than polystyrene. All that was required was the odd adjustment to render here and there. Builders found the wood fibre easier to fit than standard blockwork, as no mortar is required. In our feature on the poor energy performance of new builds, we looked at the problems with poorly fitted plasterboard. Interlocking wood fibre boards avoid this problem. Although there was a slight cost increase with using wood fibre boards, the developers took the view that it was more than worth it, especially in terms of the benefits it delivered for residents. And incidentally, one Brighton was built with allotments on the roof for residents to grow their own food. Hi, Kevin. Oh, hi. Um, what are we talking about this week? Getting your home ready for winter. We well, you know a thing or two about that. We do. Our EcoFlat letterbox draft excluder was a seasonal product, which sold well in the colder months. We've discontinued it now. Can you explain why? Uh, several reasons, actually. Some commercial, some design, and some plain practical. Uh, we had a lot of people asking us if we did front-facing versions, as their letter plates were of a clamshell or clamp design that made fitting the EcoFlat more complicated, or the crossbar, crossbar on the door was so narrow an EcoFlat wouldn't fit. They simply want a complete solution. Yeah, something we had to work with is that there's no letterbox standardisation in this country, so we were providing a product that was having to fit on the back of the door and work with so many different types of front letter plates and it just didn't work sometimes. So making something that just sits on the front gets round all that, makes the product uh, appropriate and available to a lot more people. Yeah, other people had poorly fitting or faulty letter plates and an older door and wanted to make sure that the howling go would just go away. Uh, bolts and holes in the doors, warped surfaces, myriad sizes, forms of letter plate. It was all confusing and difficult to retrofit. The point with draft proofing should be you stop the drafts at the outside, not stuff up a hole resulting from poor design. Yes, and as we tried to accommodate all these possible permutations, we were getting away from what's always been the guiding principle in our products, which is ex extremely simple principles of engineering that just work very elegantly. We tried to accommodate all these things and eventually the simple beauty of the design got lost. What should have been a design classic was missing the mark trying to fit with the past. So we could have spent time and precious resources trying to improve it or we could put those resources to make a better letter plate which prevented the drafts at source and would reduce injury from sharp edges and strong springs and stop shredding your post as it fights to get past all that. The new letterplate eco is not the first front letterplate we've developed. So what's the difference between the old stainless steel letterplate and the new letterplate eco? Our first attempt was a premium, pure stainless steel design. It was beautiful, worked brilliantly, but didn't work commercially. Our manufacturer struggled to meet basic standards of quality and finish, and the resulting price per item was just too high for a mass-market product. It was a shame to discontinue the letterplate, but it was so difficult to make that it just wasn't feasible. The EcoFlap needed a facelift too, really, didn't it? It didn't have quite the aesthetic of the pet flap and the letter plate. Um, yeah, it did its job very effectively, but it had to stick out on the door to cope with a wide range of sizes and letter plates, so it was bigger than most people needed, and to be honest, no, it didn't look stylish. The letter plate Eco will change that. Yeah, the letter plate Eco was a complete change, looking at how we make it more widely available and keep it simple. 
The design incorporates much of what we learned with our other key products, the pet flap and the eco flap. As it opens from the front, it benefits from the full closing force of the wind and the elements. Using external grade and automotive plastic also means it's insulating, lightweight and corrosion free. The design has no metals or springs and it's easy to recycle. So when will it be ready to buy? We're switching our pet flap design to full production, so our efforts can now be focused on getting the letterplate eco out in our smaller batch numbers ready for this winter. We'll start with our material as shiny black finish, just like the pet flap. We know we can technically make our products out of any materials for specialist supplies, but the more affordable the product, it will make a far bigger impact for people who really need that help keeping energy efficient. There are a few elements to getting the house winter ready. The aim is to keep cold air out, keep warm air in, make the most of the heating fuel you use, and avoid using energy to heat air that's being cooled down by drafts. Sorting out infrastructural elements such as windows, insulation and boilers will make a big difference, but it's not all about the big things. Stopping drafts coming into the house is an easy way to make it more comfortable at an affordable price. Yeah, did you see the comments about electricity prices in the Yellowhammer document? Yes. The government anticipates sizable increases in electricity prices if we leave the EU without a deal. Even more reason not to waste any electricity. Traditional drafty trouble spots are letterbox keyholes, gaps around doors, cat flaps, floorboards, chimneys. If the letterplate eco was available now, we'd recommend that. We've had a development model on our front door for a year now, and it's working brilliantly. Our hallway is the coldest part of the house. The letterplate eco just stopped dead the drafts that whistled round the old letterbox. We didn't have an eco flap, ironically, as we were among those people whose door's crossbar was too short in height to fit one. We're a great case study for the letterplate eco. Right, so now we need to develop a keyhole cover. Some mortise and even chub keyholes can let through drafts, so be sure to fit a cover that won't allow more cold air into the house. Drafts can come in around doors too. If your door just fits badly, see if this can be addressed. If there's a draft coming in under your door, you can fit a weather strip to the foot of it. A stuffed fabric draft excluder is a very low-tech but effective way of stopping a draft in its tracks. And fitting a thick curtain across a door will make a room feel more cosy and help to keep cool air from coming into the room. If you have a cat flap that's prone to staying open, rattling and leaking air, I think we have the solution. I think I might have mentioned it once or twice before. The pet flap's a draft-proof pet door that gentle on tails and paws and has a circular trunking so that in addition to going through doors or even walls, it can also be fitted professionally into glass. Why does that help? Because cutting a square or squoval into a glass panel is very difficult. Cutting a circle is much easier, so we change the shape of our trunking to accommodate that. The pet flap won't open or rattle in a draft because it's always blown more firmly shut against its frame, whichever direction a draft comes from. We've had feedback from customers very impressed that it's staying shut in exposed locations, including Shetland. If a drafty cat flap is a problem in your house, we recommend the pet flap. Well, then we would. We would. Floorboards are another drafty spot, particularly in older houses. There are some pitfalls. The website DIY Doctor cautions against using expanding foam as, to quote them, you will be forever cleaning up the mess. Be aware too that whatever other method you use, it will be visible. Stain and wax won't behave on the filler as they will on the floorboards. There are a few ways of filling gappy floorboards. Uh, You can put down a PVA layer and top that with sawdust to the level of the floorboards. 
that makes a sort of a PVA sawdust goo that can be sanded down when it's dried. Pieces of wood can be fitted into the gaps and then sanded. That helps to avoid any trip hazards. Oh, and flooring filler or decorator's cork is another option. There are also strips you can buy to push down in between the floorboards. You have the option of a squashy strip or V-shaped strip, both cut to length and then pushed into the gaps. If you don't use your chimney, you can stop it up with a chimney sheep. These are natural wool discs fitted to a handle so that you can easily remove it if you do want to use your chimney. It doesn't block airflow, but it does stop drafts whistling down the chimney. And there is one other place to check, anywhere that cables come into the building. Check there isn't a huge gap around them and deal with any that are drafty. And check your loft hatch too. A well-insulated loft will get cold and your warm house will leak heated rising air out and draw cold air down from around the loft hatch if it's not sealed. That's pretty simple to fix with a foam strip. You can also fit an insulating material to the flat of the hatch to create a barrier to cold air. Now your house is draft-proof, you can look at how to maximise the heat that you do use. Radiator reflectors can be very effective. They slip between the radiator and the wall and reflect warmth back into the room. Use them on external walls or shared walls in particular in a terraced or semi-detached house. I covered these in episode 2 of the pod. Radfleck claims that its reflectors not only reflect 95% of heat back into the room, but reduce heat going out through the wall by 45%. The thing I particularly like about these is that they're an unobtrusive fit-and-forget measure. The second your heating goes on, they just start doing the job. Yeah, radiator reflectors are effective in a house with poor insulation. Uh, You can use domestic foil instead, although it's a bit flimsy and harder to work with. None of these measures will make you rich, but they will make your house that bit more comfortable over the coming months. At the end of August... The BBC ran a report on a distillery in Kirkwall on Orkney that is looking into powering its gin business on hydrogen power. In collaboration with Napier University and the European Marine Energy Centre, the High Spirits project has received government funding to convert from LPG. It's had almost £150,000 as part of the government's £390 million investment to reduce emissions from industry. I'm quoting from the government website here. As we saw last week in the feature on hydrogen-powered trains, producing hydrogen isn't always environmentally friendly, but the High Spirits project would use local wind and tidal power from the EMEC's plant to make the hydrogen. Distilleries need to produce heat as part of the distillation process. There's a link in the show notes to a Chemistry World feature on the science behind making gin, so head over there if you want to understand the role of heat in gin making. If this project is successful, the Orkney distillery would reduce CO2 emissions by 86 tonnes a year, which according to GovUK is the equivalent annual emissions from 10 homes or 18 cars. What size homes? What type of car? The Orkney distillery is far from alone in wanting to reduce emissions. The Dalmunach distillery near Abelaur runs its whisky distillery on wind and hydropower. Distilleries produce waste residues. And at Dalmunach, both liquid and solid residues are converted to carbon-neutral livestock feed and for a renewable fuel. The result is barely any waste. Dalmunach is able to return treated water to the river Spey. Dalmunach is owned by Shivas Brothers, part of a larger drinks business, Perno Ricard. It's the group's most energy-efficient distillery. 
Fortunately, unlike the businesses we heard about earlier, Shivas is happy to report that Dalmunach uses nearly 40% less energy than the industry average to generate each litre of alcohol. Overall, its water usage is 15% below the industry average. It's working with Aberdeen University to improve its circularity. Many elements come together to make gin and whiskey distilling well-placed to promote and take advantage of energy efficiencies. Although whiskey never goes out of fashion, gin has made a huge comeback in the last few years, especially among younger people, those who will have to suffer, lo- suffer longest the effects of climate change and who are acutely aware of it. This forces gin makers to demonstrate strong environmental credentials. Gin drinkers are often looking for more than just a tasty drink. They want to know the backstory and buy into it. Gin makers rely on the botanicals that flavour the spirit, which connects them directly to nature. Whisky distilleries are in beautiful areas of Scotland, yes, Ireland and Wales too, and take their water from the local rivers. Whisky distilleries require a clean environment to produce a desirable product. Beyond the UK, Bermuda-based Bacardi champions sustainability and has done since its establishment more than 150 years ago. It launched an environmental sustainability initiative called Good Spirited to see how it could reduce the impact of sourcing, packaging and operations. It intended to halve emissions by the end of 2017, but it reached that target over a year early. It set itself stringent rules for obtaining sustainable, renewable or recycled packaging while not negatively affecting growers and suppliers. It's constantly working to bring down the weight of its packaging, aiming for a 15% reduction by 2022. Water use and greenhouse emissions continue to come down, and Bacardi aims to send no waste to landfill whatsoever by 2022. Bacardi has made changes in a number of areas of operation. It's switched to biomass boilers at several facilities, using renewable organic material to fuel them. In Puerto Rico, its Bacardi rum is produced using wind power, and its Bombay Sapphire Gin is produced in a green distillery. This distillery is at Laverstoke Mill in Hampshire in the UK. It's an old paper mill on the River Test. There's a video on the Bombay Sapphire website taking you through the curiously empty and quiet distillery led by a CGI dove. It's a lovely building and a rather soothing short video. The facility was built five years ago and received the Bream Award for Industrial Design in 2014. During construction, Laverstoke Mill was the first distillery to receive a Bream Outstanding Award at the design stage. What makes this distillery such an environmental success? It produces its own renewable energy from a solar array and from a hydroelectric turbine in the River Test. It uses a biomass boiler fuelled by locally sourced wood chips. The building incorporated building materials from demolished buildings on the site, and throughout, rainwater is harvested and flow restricted. The distillery is in a conservation area and an SSSI. Renovations had to work with this and have enhanced it. During construction, fish and bats were temporarily rehomed and bat boxes installed. Bats have access to roof areas now. Derelict industrial buildings that covered up parts of the river test were demolished to open up access to the river. Aquatic plants were propagated in the river. There's a fish guard in front of the turbine that's in the river, and no water is taken from the river. It's a fascinating site that's been in use since well before the Norman invasion, 
It pops up in Doomsday and was turned into a paper mill by a Huguenot in 1719. It even printed watermarked banknotes for the Bank of England. The site has a tremendous heritage and it looks like Bacardi has gone to great lengths to preserve it. John Dewar and Sons is also part of the Bacardi group. Across its five distilleries, John Dewar and Sons has achieved reductions of a third in greenhouse gas emissions, reduced water use by almost half, and reduced waste going to landfill by 30%. It runs a blending and maturing warehouse in South Lanarkshire. Bacardi invested heavily in Scotch whisky, in this case installing energy-efficient conveyors to transport casks. Each of the 18 warehouses on the site can hold 72,000 casks, so reducing the energy required to move them around will make big savings. The whisky itself is now moved between sites in tankers rather than casks, reducing annual CO2 emissions by 1,000 tonnes, equivalent to keeping about 400 cars off the roads. The site is planted with 130,000 new trees, something that was undertaken with the input from Scottish National Heritage. Rainwater is rooted to a retention pond, which provides wetlands for wildlife. This sort of thing was first trialled by the Glengoyne Distillery. There, 12 wetland cells contain more than 14,000 types of plants. Reed beds filter and cleanse effluent from the stills. After anaerobic fermentation, the water is clean and can go back into the river without taking anything nasty with it. Treating the waste naturally means it doesn't need to be transported off-site. In America, Marble Distilling, a distillery and bar in Colorado, puts sustainability front and centre from the start. Instead of reusing an old building, the couple behind Marble Distilling chose to build a new facility aligned with green building specifications. Now up and running, their distillery produces no waste. Like all distilleries, Marble uses lots of water. So it designed what an article on popularmechanics.com describes as a water energy thermal system. Water is reused endlessly in a closed loop without losing any of its properties. The heat from that water is then used in the building. This way, they save millions of gallons of water every year and reclaim enough energy to power 20 homes. Fortunately, Marble Distilling is another company keen to share its achievements and best practice. Cheers to that. Is off-grid energy access your area of interest? If so, you might be interested in next month's Off-Grid Energy Access Forum 2019 on Wednesday, October 2nd in London. It describes itself as, quote, the only conference assessing global investment, market opportunities and technology developments for off-grid energy access at the last mile ends. It will look at which technologies and business models are most effective in this area, how to meet growing power demand and develop customer relationships and how to add value to the projects. The link to register is in the show notes. And what are we up to? We've made it into the press this week. There's a small piece in Real People. We're working on the new batch of pet flaps and reservations are coming in steadily. So if you want one, drop us a line at info at ecoflap.co.uk. Thank you for listening to episode 15 of the Energy Efficiency Podcast. Until next time, you can find us on both Twitter and Instagram as Ecoflap. And on Twitter, we also tweet as the Pet Flap. In next week's episode, we'll look at mineral fibre insulation, 
the Vibes Awards and that Dow Jones Sustainability Index.